Nej, jag blir kort tack. Welcome to the Flamcast. Now, Derek, you've been uh, you've been unfaithful. You've been a show without me. I have. That's mainly because you've turned into a par. You're, you're part bear these days. Uh, John John has changed his uh, work rota, so he um, works almost I don't know a huge amount of hours one week, and then has a week off. So uh, yeah, he's he's either hibernating one week, and then he's around the, the other week. So our schedules are trying to get back together again. But yeah, so I suppose just to keep people in the loop. Um, we did two parts last year about my adventures on the Ross and I'm kind of still a little bit sore that it's gone and I suppose what I wanted to try and do is gather up some in, some people and have a chat to a few people about how they felt about the Ross, what it did for them, what it meant to them and the first part is out, it's a little chat with Dan Lloyd uh, of GCN, Cervelo, On Post, all that sort of stuff and a real honest chat with Dan, um, very very nice chap, I, I could have spent the night chatting to him um, and just still has so much interest, uh, but is still so grounded about the sport and everything else. So it really was an interesting chat. And I, I hope next week to have um, a longer interview with Stephen Gallagher, who was the on-post writer Dan was supporting that year that um, Dan wrote the, the Ross as well. Mm-hmm. And people can find that in the feed now. Um, and I know you've got you've got some other interviews coming up. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I've got to be said, it's nice to have a, um, just a kind of open and honest chat about a race, which is going to be sorely missed this year, let's be honest. Um, and I've got no idea if it'll come back. You know, the, the way the race calendar is just now and the way races are struggling. Yeah, um, it's very easy to see it just slipping by the wayside forever. Yeah, and I suppose it it, it leans into a bigger conversation about how the sport is going, and um, you know, all right, we we've, we've got everyone competing for our sponsorship and trying to ride in the Tour of France, but if we only have the Tour of France in five years' time, and there's no other races. Well, we're not going to have many cyclists. Yeah, exactly that. You need development races, um, and you need development races like the Ras, where people can race against you know the best. Yeah and see what they've got to measure up to. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of racing. The last time we talked, we'd seen Milan San Remo. Um, we've had the start of my favourite week of the year. I mean, definitely my favourite week of the year. Tour of Flanders uh, at one end, and then the other bookmark, or bookend rather, is, is my favourite race of the year, Paris-Roubaix. Um, Tour of Flanders was, was really interesting. I saw a lot of people criticise it, saying you know they thought that the racing was a bit negative in the chasing group. Um, but I just saw lots of guys of roughly equal ability unable to make the difference because everybody else was nearly as good as them. Yeah, and I suppose it's the glass half empty, glass half full syndrome. I suppose um, I came from a, I I would be a little bit of a, more of a foot in the, uh, it was a shite enough race. Um, but I, that's not to take away from what EF did and how Betty all won. I think it was a fantastic win for him and nothing will cheapen that win. But I just think, yeah, I think there was a lot of lot of weight on uh, the Koenig Quickstep's shoulders. I don't think they, they wore that well. Um, I think as the team as well, you know, it comes back to the thing we've been trying to say over the last while and um, that there's a lot of good Indians there, but there's not a chief. And kind of, I know Jungles was their, eventually was their, their number one ploy, but I, I, coming into this race, you know, I, I had a few tweets out and I just thought Jungles, Probably had too many hard races in his legs. Same uh, for Stebar, actually. Stebar looked tired in the Bergs. 
He did, he did, yeah. And um, when they when they split, when they split, um, uh, Stebar went backwards on what was a, a tarmac session section, and I wasn't really expecting that. But that's not to take away from how EF, you know, rode the race. Um, uh, Van Mark, Van der Berg, Betty All, um, uh, there was some other guy involved as well. I can't remember who it was. They they, they rode aggressive and they went off the front and they were. Sebastian Langeveld was the other one. That's him, uh, and they rode very, very well. And they, you know, they, 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 I can't take anything away from them. And I, I, I know I texted you there the other day saying, "What team have now won all the monuments, bar Milan San Remo?" And it is actually EF. Hard to believe. Yeah. No, yeah. it's astonishing. I mean, when you look at the budget, what they've achieved. You know, Scott and I were talking about this in the the Velocast during the week, um, and you know, love them or hate them. And I know that you've had uh, some interesting conversations with Jonathan Wofter. He's managed to, to work some magic with the minuscule budget that that team's got. He has, yeah. And uh, even, I suppose, Betty All in some way, shape or form encapsulates EF over the years. I suppose his first few years, um, you know, he was kind of, he, he was talented, but they didn't know, could he apply himself? Would he apply himself? Um, he kind of has a habit of if he's well, Greg Van Affermit said he was in his team last year. Said he could barely remember him, and when he did think about him, he just thought he, did, he was lazy and a bit fat. Yeah, no, and that's one hundred percent. And I, I think um, Richard Moore was also saying that um, he was in the Cannondale or the Garmin car one year, um, and Betty All was in the break in the Tour of France, and uh, the the car was getting very animated because uh, Betty All wanted to stop for a piss. Um, he couldn't actually piss on the bike, um, and this was a a three or four year, third year, fourth year profession. At this Even stage. I can do that. The only reason I do it is I'd like to get arrested if a car went past. When he's not on a good day, um, looks quite good. Looks as if he should deliver more than more than what he is, and then when you don't expect him to deliver, he goes out and wins the Ronda on his first attempt. You know, as a first win, like so. Yeah, he underachieves and overachieves in the same sentence. If that's a fair description of him. And that kind of reflects on what EF do and what EF have done over the years, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk about uh, the kind of quick step but slightly scathingly because they're, you know, the, their stars didn't perform. But Kasper Askreen finishing second just shows what depth that team have still got. And of course, we saw Jackson take uh, a repeat of Shell Priest during the, the middle of the week. Yep. Yeah, uh, so, they, I mean, they're, they're still winning. They are, yeah. And, you know, like, um, if if... You were the director sportive there. Would would you have said that they won second place or they lost first place? Um, I think I think they got the best result they could. I don't think Betty O was going to get caught once he went. I mean, even on the Paterberg, where you know I, I saw a picture saying uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Neil Rogers, whose whose work I really like. Actually, I'm I'm quite impressed with Neil. But he put a picture up of the chase group in the Paterberg and said, even here, it wasn't over. But although the group was in sight, the Paterbergs are hard. They were still, you know, like miles back, effectively. Yeah, so I, I don't think that was ever coming back. I think second, at least he had a dig. You know, it wasn't he just a, a random sprint. He actually had a dig and got away for second. Actually. I think they got the most that they could at the thing. Actually, he didn't have a dig. If you look back on the video, um, and if you look back on the replay, um, Youngles let him go. 
Young is the second wheel. Uh, As Green is riding kind of hard, he's kind of chasing. But mm-hmm. uh, um, Youngles can't hold the wheel; just lets the wheel go. And you can see Youngles gets on the radio straight away when the gap is two or three bike lengths, and starts shouting. And then kind of As Green takes a look under, looks up, looks under the elbow, and he goes stuff that. And he and no, and he, he goes from that point. He, but he's got he's got the four or five bike lengths at that point, and uh, second place and third place behind uh, Youngles at that stage. They, they they don't have the legs and they don't have the they don't have the power to come around and go after him. So he he literally fell off the front with the help of a teammate. So that was a, a smart move by them, which does show that at least Youngles and all them were were still thinking at that at the end of the race and were still switched on and they hadn't. Defeat. And we've always said they don't care if he wins. No, no, no. Like uh, once one of them get, gets the result, that they're happy. Like, but I will say that I thought um, that group coming to the end was was too big. Um, you know, there was there was three uh, quick step in it. Was there two? There was two EF there. You know, it, it, if it was just seven or eight, um, I think they probably would have rolled a bit more honestly. Um, yeah. I just think there was too many people in it. And you know, look, I was I thought I suppose at this stage they they didn't have legs. Lampere had got dropped, got back on. Uh, Youngles probably was out, probably was blown on his ears, um, and just didn't have the legs for it. So you know, if you have if you have numbers like that, there's either one of two scenarios for your team. One, you literally attack the shit out of the group, and you get your man, you get a you get a man away, and you, you you sit on every attack after that. Or you put two you put two men on the on the front, and you have your third man sitting in, um, in the in the armchair and getting a nice ride in, and you know he can take the finish. But there was too many too many other people there for that second tactic, um, and I just think. Uh, by the way they rode, they just didn't have the legs for the attacking bit. So I think Asgreen falling off the front maybe saved their blushes a bit. But yeah, I would say probably a bad day out for Quickstep. Yeah, and I haven't seen him in Gent Vepel game. You wouldn't want to be taking Alexander Christoph up to the finish, would you? No, and you had Bling there as well, and you, uh, was Nassen there as well? So, yeah, you know, and Valverde, who's reasonably rapid in a small group like that. Yeah, yeah. look, he couldn't he couldn't discount Valverde because, you know, what is it, 240 kilometres, 250 kilometres, yeah. you know, five, six hours in the legs, those bergs, the, the margins the margins become less and less at, the, at that level. Like, um, you know, we also had Sagan there, and we ha- we haven't even mentioned him really. Like, it was the chap has really gone backwards this year, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not there. The team, the team are wondering what's wrong. Um, he's wondering what's wrong, although he's his usual relaxed self. Um, I think he's, I think he's just having an off year. Uh, hopefully, he can turn it around. I can't. I mean, I, it's Per Sagan, so who knows? But I, I mean, I can't see him for for Sunday now. Um, the person who most impressed me in that though, in the entire race was was Matthew van der Poel, who's, I mean, he's such a focused, committed guy. He rides like that in the Tour de Flanders. You know that, that recovery after after he fell off, and what was a horrible fall. I thought his collarbone was definitely gone. Just showed extravagant strength. You look at him and you think he's got to be hot favourite for Paddy Roubaix next week. He's not riding. He's holding off until, you know, I'm still weak. And then he's buggering off to mountain bike for a year. Uh, it's not that he's holding off. It's just that they, they never got an invite. I don't uh, think he would have gone anyway. I mean, one of our Velika subscribers, Peter, um, who's a Belgian and, and keeps us up in all the the kind of the Belgian gossip, if you like, because yep. um, he can read the Flandrian papers and all that kind of stuff. See, this has been his plan for ages. You yeah, know, he's totally committed to, to 2020 mountain biking at the Olympics and everything centres around that. Yeah, I, I, so, 
I think for someone who's um, so smart, um, has so much intelligence around him in his dad and his grandfather, um, and who is very, very, who he he very much knows his position. He knows his worth. He knows his goals. He knows where he's going and how he's getting there. Um, he rode a very wild Flanders. Um, yeah, and still finished fourth. Yeah. Um, and I I know probably only for the crash. If he was in that group when Betty All went away, he may have had a, a different. It may have had a different complexion because I think he was only. I know he was in the group, but he'd only just got back on at the bottom of the, of the climb. Um, yeah, he was blind. He thought he was riding for the win right up to the top of the Paderborn when he yeah. saw Betty All. He didn't think Betty All was away. Yeah. Um. But. Um, you know, we go back to the old Henny, Henny Kuiper saying, you know, uh, racing is, you know, making the other other guy finish his plate first. And Van der Poel wasted, I don't want to say wasted because I don't want to be negative about him. Because, but he, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't looking after himself in the best way possible when he was riding. He wasn't in the best position. I think that crash, maybe his own exuberance and his own confidence got him into that scenario. I'm not saying it caused the crash, but the bunny hop beforehand where he either broke the steerer or broke the wheel or whatever happened there. Um, maybe just, you know, he was out of position slightly doing stuff like that. It's not the, the smartest thing to be doing. And yeah, he just waste, he wasted energy in, in a lot of places and probably, um, he probably would have had a better result. Um, could he have gone with Betty all most? I think he could have. Oh, like, definitely. I, I think, yeah, but, yeah, we'll, never, we'll never know, will we? No, no, and that's 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 the whole beauty about Roubaix and about Flanders and about cycling. That sometimes, uh, what you might think is the best man, he doesn't win. He just doesn't win. Like, and at the same time, I do think the strongest man won because at the at the end of the day, of that group of favourites, Van Avermaet, Nassen, uh, Valverde, Sagan, they were all there on on the Paderberg when Betty all went, and no one could go with him. Yeah. I'd been a ludicrously active race as well. I mean, I was getting excited from kind of 90k out. Um, you know, so for Betty Old to have the strength to have that dig and, and hold on over the fourth lap at the top of the Oud um, which you know all about, of course, because you rode the Sportive last year. Yep. Um, that takes us some serious horsepower. And, you know, there, there were big digs in the back coming from the likes of Greg Van Avermaet, and they never looked like getting back on. So by saying that, uh, Van der Poel looked to me to be the strongest guy in the race in terms of sheer horsepower. It takes nothing away from Betiol. No, he did everything right. No, no, and I, I think um, EF had played the had played the quick step cards. They had the men. They had men in er, early move, not early early moves, but towards the the pointy end of the race. They had men. They, first of all, when quick step uh, split going up over that berg, um, about thirty k to go, where Nibali attacked last year, and Terpster got away. Um, you know they were all they were all at the front. They were there where they needed to be. They were switched on, and then when the move started going from there, when Lampard went off, um, you know they 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 were always there was always one of them there or thereabouts. Um, and they were they were positive in their moves. They weren't going in the move and sitting there going, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know they weren't sitting on the back of it. They were positive. They were riding through. They were keeping the move going. Um, Van Mark was very positive. I know he probably. Um, I've heard an interview with Andrews Clear who said, you know, that uh, he wanted to get Van Mark out, out early and get him up the road. And it probably for someone like him, it probably would have been easier because 
when they're riding a small group like that up some of the climbs they mightn't been riding full gas they mightn't have had the accelerations of a Van Avermaet they mightn't have had the accelerations of a Sagan on some of the climb which would have blown him out or used up matches he, he probably wanted to keep whereas if he's on his own riding up the climb or in a smaller group he can set his own tempo and he can ride a little bit within himself maybe mm-hmm. just just below below limit below threshold or whatever else whereas if you're in the group and someone accelerates you're going to have to match it whether you like it or not so you yeah. know I, I think EF um, played their cards very very well um, I just don't think quick step were on it for the day like you know Gilbert was gone quite early Stebar was gone uh, Lampere was suffering I was actually kind of surprised they didn't bring uh, uh, didn't bring Florian Seneschal but yeah I probably I probably would have I probably would have swapped uh, Seneschal for Gilbert and and saved Gilbert for Roubaix. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Um, and the thing is, with all of these guys, we're saying they look tired. Looking forward from from Flanders, which was a great race, um, to to Roubaix on Sunday. Um, I don't think we'll see the same kind of performance from the quick step guys, because although Ruby isn't the pan flat thing that everybody goes, you know, they oh there's no climbs in Ruby. If you ride it, you know, there are still bits that go up and down, but they're not like the Bergs. You know, they they're just not. So the guys who looked a bit tired on the very limit, people like Stiebar, I think will probably cope better on Sunday. So we might see quick step a bit stronger. But Sunday again looks wide open to me because all of the guys that we've talked about coming in, you know, coming into the start of the season, the young guys like Wout Van Aert, for example, were up there in Flanders. You know, the performances we saw during the spring were all more or less confirmed. So I think we're into the most open Ruby in years with, you know, with Persigan a wee bit weaker, the strength and depth of quick step, education first with the likes of Sepp van Mark, Sebastian Langeveld, Team Sky have got a strong team going in. I mean, there's, there's endless numbers of folk who could win. It's going to be fantastic. There is. And, you know, if you go back to the very, very start of the year, um, after we had kind of had our Australia sojourn, I had tipped... Van Barrel to ride well in the classics. Now I know he he, he broke the hand in hit Newsblad, mm-hmm. um, but he, he rode a, he rode a he rode an intelligent race on Sunday, um, got out at the right time. Maybe got out a little bit early, but he, that's only hindsight. You know, if he, if he got a couple couple of people coming across to him, if he got yeah, what, if he got yeah, and you, it, that's the gamble with Flanders. You have to. It's a race that. It's not like a tour stage where you, you know you sit and you wait, and last climb we go hard in the last climb and that's it. Uh, th- there's there's an element of chance and there's an element of take, taking up the race and everything else in, in Flanders. You have to take it on, and uh, it kind of it does reward the brave. Um, and I think again with Roubaix, you know you look at Heyman, you look at other riders like that. You look at I suppose even Askren been out kind of early. You look last year at Pedersen in Flanders been out quite early and still finishing second. You look at Dillier last year finishing second in Roubaix as well. It it does reward the strongman to get out early and and ride that. You get out of the the, the problems, the the crashes, the the falling bottles. If you're if you're out in the the the, the, the early early ish break. Um, oh, look at Matt Heyman, he was out really early and still won the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's gonna be interesting it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how Quickstep play the tactics. Um how if the group goes because I, I, I expected him I was quite when the early break went, um and there was a lot of there was a lot of fighting at the, for the early break in Flanders, I would have I, I would have expected 
probably a, a bit more representation from some of the bigger guys. I mm-hmm. I may have expected a, a Sky Lad in there. I would have expected maybe a Katusha, a Dydata, uh, and I might have expected. Uh, I actually probably expected Lampair to be in the early break from from Quickstep, mm-hmm. um, but there was only four men went away, and I kind of, and then they left them go quite quite long. They gave them seven eight minutes at one point. Um, so I, I again I don't think they used the clerk quite well that way, but yeah they're 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 going to have to refine those tactics um, for for Roubaix. I think there's going to be a bigger fight for for that break. Um, you know it was two years ago, we were nearly an hour and a half, maybe two hours in, and there wasn't a break at all. I don't think I yeah. I, I think that everyone raced raced that raced it from the front and the group shattered backwards rather than the break went I think the the, the the peloton just shattered and people were out the back door the whole time rather than been been someone away so it, it, I, I don't see I don't see any teams that are strong enough to do that I don't see CCC being strong enough I don't see Quickstep being strong enough possibly Trek but um, I, I don't think it would I don't think it would be in their best interest to do something like that I would think my my dark horse for Roubaix is not really a dark horse, but I think Dagenkob, um, he was there thereabouts. I know he tried to get out um up to ten boss. He tried to get away early to get up that at his own pace, but it kind of got blown away. Um, yeah, and he hasn't won this year, but he's looked better. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it would be a bit of a fairy tale for the the patron of the the junior Roubaix, um, to kind of win this again like I, I'd like to, I'd like to see him do it um, I think he possibly could do it I think he has the pedigree I think he has the know-how um, I think they, they've got a decent enough team that again looking at the EF and comparing them against Trek I think Trek might have better quality but if they can play the game like EF did in, in Flanders I think it, it, it would work in, in Roubaix Yeah I mean we're looking at what 55k couples this year um, they've 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 done something to to Arnberg, which I'm uh, uh, not particularly keen on. Um, Terry Gouvenou saying that you know, well we had to do it because if it rains, it was getting too dangerous, which is I think he's just justifying after the fact with that. Um, so I I mean it's so early in the race now. It's, it's a place it's that corneal thing where you can lose the race, but you're not necessarily going to win it. But um, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's any team that looks to me strong enough to to really take the race by the scruff of the neck, a la, you know, Mappy or whatever back in the day. And I think it will come down to a small break from a, a big mix of teams probably going away in Carrefour, you know, with, with 15k yeah. to go or whatever. Um, I think Degenkopf's not a bad shout. I've got a feeling that Sky might add a monument to, to, to their current haul because they've got... You know, Luke Rowe, who's been really impressive. Dylan Van Barl, who you rightly picked out at the start of the year to ride well in the spring. He went well in Flanders. And I think they're turning out the, the pantomime villain that is Janny Moscone, who looks like he was built to ride Paris-Roubaix. Um, and with Greg Van Avermaet maybe not quite there, you know, he wasn't able to make the difference in Flanders, which arguably suits him even better than Roubaix. And Peter Sagan looking out of sorts. Um, I think Skyrim with a great shout, but I can. I could also see Alexander Christoph hanging on and taking it in a sprint in the velodrome. You know, there's loads of folk that could win it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, with Christoph, if there's six, seven, eight of them that come come to the finish, there, you're probably going to have. You're going going to have maybe say, Roe, Degenkob, Christoph, Sagan. 
Steber. Sagan will be there on class as opposed to form again. I mean, he knows how to ride a race, even if he's not quite right. Yeah, look, uh, he, he was blowing, he was blowing and blowing hard on Sunday, and he probably didn't have a leg and you saw him giving himself slippage on some of the climbs and you saw him grimacing and you saw him going backwards on some of the climbs but he was still there and you know yeah. uh, and that's that's class apart like that is cla- that is on a bad day on a bad day on a very bad day for him to be in still be in the front group and still be competing and you know on the run-in from the the Quermont, he was still giving a few digs um you know that that's class apart, and if 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 that was my bad day, I would be laughing all the ways to the bank. Like you know, if that, yeah. that, you know, his his bad day is probably better than a lot of people's best days. Um, but like you said, yeah, he just, I, and I noticed it on Sunday, he didn't waste a watt on, in Flanders. He didn't put his head in. The, he didn't put his nose in the wind. He wasn't badly placed. He wasn't wasting energy up and down the bunch. He wasn't on the wrong side when the wing came. He wasn't on the wrong side when the splits came. He was in the right place, the right time, every time. He did not waste a watt. He, I, he probably didn't have a watt to waste, but he didn't waste a single one. Yeah. Um, he didn't do anything stupid. You know, he wasn't trying... He knew... He, he knew if he could get down to a small group towards the end, if he could last, he might have a good um, a good roll of the dice. Um, the group that came with him to the finish was a little bit too big for him, and fair mm-hmm. enough. There's nothing he could nothing he could have done about that because, as we said, he just was he just doesn't have the form at the moment. But in Roubaix, it you know look six six eight on you know the last few sections, Carrefour, someone comes down, you know. It, it, it's a lottery as well, like as well as everything else. And to your point about Sky, yeah, I could see, I could see. Oh, I don't, I don't like to say it, but I could see Luke Rowe getting a good result. Yeah, I mean, he's been really impressive. This just the last month, he's been great. He has, but I, I think he's a tendency for his head to fall off when he's given the leadership. Yeah, um, I tell you, another bunch that could do very well is Education First. <laughs> um, you're, you're almost nearly man, set for Mark look to be coming into form and if you look at the support team that, that supported Betty all, um Taylor Finney was riding well as well and he's a rider before that horrible accident, I was certain he'd have a cobble on his mantelpiece at home by now you know, I remember watching him hit the, the pavé at Arnberg actually at 60, 70 kilometres an hour when you come downhill past those mine buildings and he just looked amazing and he did a good result, top 10 last year. If Education First ride as cleverly in Roubaix as they did in Flanders, you could see one of those two in the top step. Yeah, and they've done it before with Van Sommeren as well. Like you know, So it's not as if it's if it's not familiar to them or they, they don't know how to play the tactics or they don't know how to ride this thing. Um, and I will question you, does uh, Finney not have two stones on his mantelpiece at home already? Well, under twenty three, yeah, yeah, um, which shows that he can handle the pavy reasonably well. <laughs> yeah, well, look, one uh, winning winning Roubaix under twenty three once is an achievement. Winning it twice is something special. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it's not a fluke, or you weren't away in the the day long break and they couldn't bring you back. You know, it does it does show class, and I do think Finney has class. Um, and he. Uh, I'm going to be slightly controversial here. I think he's really failed to, failed to deliver on the prospect of what he was. I think, yeah, I think that crash ru- potentially ruined his career. 
You know, coming back with that leg reconstruction, I, this this last year is the first time that top ten result in Drew Bay was the first time I think that I saw him look like a shadow of the rider that I'd seen in two thousand and twelve or whatever. Oh, do I go on a rant here or don't I? Feel free. Um. So, or not. Yeah. No. No. Look. Right. I think um, his crash. Oh, this is kind of this is this is very Taylor Finney Finney esque. Um, I think his crash was a combination of uh, bad team management, hubris, and not understanding and not respecting um, other people. At the time, it happened in the U.S. Nationals. Um, there was a big group away. Um, there was a couple of smart stop riders um, away. Uh, I think they got, did they get one two that year? I think they did. Um, and at that point, um, Okowich was in the car and was panicking, um, because the gap was starting to grow out, and they really did. He just thought there was an element of oh, they were just the locals or whatever else. They're just the the crit riders, racers, and there wasn't that element of respect given to the riders that were away. Um, and they were they were quality riders, and um, yeah, Ock was going around trying to um coordinate a chase, uh, talking to other team cars offering incentives um and i think not that finney's crash uh, he crashed because well look the crash was part of the chase uh, but he was taking chances um and i just think it was a combination of all that coming together um and it was a life-changing event for him and maybe if he go if he went back and he had his time again maybe he wouldn't have signed for bmc maybe he would have signed for someone else and kind of came up through the ranks and his life would be different but i do think that that crash encapsulates finney in some way shape or form that he was the the wonder kid he was everything else and everything came so easy to him and then uh, remember how angry armstrong was when he didn't join trek yeah yeah um and he had he'd rode for trek livestrong under underage yeah. yeah 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 um and i just i think he lost his way after that and i it, that that crash could have swallowed up a person, and I I'm very um it it takes a very strong person to come back from that. But I do think that if you look if you step back from the crash and look at the whole thing and look at the whole race and look at how he got to that point and how that all unfolded, I think there's an element of like I said to you, not respecting people, hubris, thinking they were BMC and the big guys and whatever else and maybe that was just because of the environment that he was in and the people that he was around and I'm not blaming him per se for any of this I just think that there's an overall element of all this encapsulated with, with his crash and I think that from that coming back I think he's been a different person I I, I thought he was going to a bit just, more humility maybe I think I thought he was going to wander off and just become a lifestyler and I don't mean that in a bad way but if you this is going on a little bit longer than I expected but if you go and look um, at surfing and you know rock climbing and stuff like that um, but in surfing in particular you have guys that will go and compete and will go and go around the world and surf the competitions and will just stay in the competitions but then there's other people that can make a, a fantastic time and make a fantastic living of chasing waves and finding new waves and all that sort of stuff and I thought Finney was going from one of those people that was in the competitions and was very very good and you know would get you results to a person who kind of was just going to start chasing cycling waves um and i just he wandered for so long and i just think 
maybe in the back of his mind or maybe in the back of it all he forgot what a ta- what a talent he was and how good he is um, I know he really appreciates where he is in life and how he's still got a chance to do what he does and how much he loves it but I still think if you could compare him to some of his other guys that he grew up with say Alex Dowsett Alex has probably made more of his limited talent than Taylor has I know Taylor has a pink jersey and a Giro and stuff like that but I, I just do think yeah, Taylor's a very strange one. Um, you can see a victory in Roubaix changing his career entirely. Yeah, I I could see if he if he even podiumed in Roubaix, I think he could retire and retire happy. Yeah. Now let's let's get down to the the, the sharp end. Who do you think is going to win on Sunday? I I do think Dagenkob. I think Dagenkob, Kristoff, and maybe. An unknown, a another. Yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm kind of, I'm slightly torn. I mean, I could easily see Wout van Aert winning because he looked a bit out of sorts for me at Flanders and was still in there at the finish in that group. Um, and I think those two cyclocross guys have really hit the ground running. You know, it, it's been amazing. If it's a small group that we were talking about, which it often is, Christoph looks like absolutely in brilliant form. Um, but I genuinely, I've got this feeling in my water, and I'm going to regret this, that it's going to be a Sky guy. And I think it's most likely to be Dylan Van Barl. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, it's literally just sticking a pin in, in a start list because it's no very good punditry to say there's 20 folk that could win, but there's genuinely 20 folk who could win. And that's always true at Ruby. But this year particularly, you know, usually you would say, well, for me, Peter Sagan or Greg Van Avermaet is the hot favourite, or John Degen called back in the day before that horrible giant crash, you know, where the car went into the training group. But this year, you know, you're not going, well, these guys are the hot favourites, but because it's Roubaix, anybody who's top 10 in the past or a big surprise could win it. I genuinely looked at Flanders and I thought, that's a big group of folk who are all roughly at the same level at this point in the year. And for Ruby, even if it's dry, it's only a 10% chance of rain. I can remember, I, I mean, I've been wishing for a wet Ruby for, for ages. And of course, Kelly famously said, you know, if it's not a wet Ruby, it's not a real Ruby kind of thing. And I think he was spot on. Uh, but I, I, I've got this feeling that one of the Sky guys, if they turn up and race properly, you know, if they get their heads in the game, they could do it. But that's just that's a random punt. I mean, there's there's no, endless numbers of folk that could win. It's it's not. I don't think it's a random punt, John. I think you're you know, look, you've there's very much a, a good thought behind it. There's very much a good thought process behind it. I think you're you're not far wrong there. I think to your point, um, you know, if you look at any race, there's a number of say two star guys there's a number of three star guys there's a small number of four star guys and there's a small number of five star guys I would say uh, for Flanders and Roubaix there's been quite a good few two star guys quite a good few three star guys quite a good few four star guys and there's yeah, no, no five star guys there's no one been head and shoulders yeah this this race is between these three guys and that's what's going to happen um and i you know even going back to that i just don't think that the the squads are there um maybe it's the the smaller teams or whatever else i just don't think the teams are there to take it up for a a, a captain they they won't take on the race they won't 
dictate the race um, for one guy in case it all goes wrong because they just don't have the strength and depth anymore. Um, you know, they don't have the extra man to go that extra 100 or 50k or whatever else, you know, so th- th- that, that, that's a fine balancing act. And look, I, I, I yeah, I can't, I can't fault your, I can't fault your Van Barrel um, thought. And look, it's one of my thoughts from the very start of the season. I could see him very much getting a result. I know he's got, a, he's been closer there, thereabouts in Flanders a few times. But yeah, I, I, I would say Van Van Barrel or Rowe from from Sky could very well be there as well. And you know, Standard's been there um, a couple of times. Um, they they do have the pedigree, they do have the know how. So it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility in any way, shape, or form. And they've got the dogma with the computer operated suspension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've just been looking back at the my list of Boot Ruby. It's 17 years since it rained. Oh, man. 17 years since it rained. Yeah. Jesus. <sighs> yeah, I anyway, think... we've gone quite long here. We have. Uh, I sp- by our standards. Um, we've got the Giro coming up. We have. Um, that's still looking very exciting for me. I thought the Yates brothers have, have ridden really well. Watching them ride for each other was a treat. Uh, and I think we'll see Simon having learned from his extravagance that uh, arguably cost him, well, didn't arguably, it did cost them the race. I mean, you know, Froome and Sky were really clever, but Yates equally, I thought, just burned too many matches too early in the race. And I was just waiting for him to blow up. <laughs> I just knew looking at that final week in the Giro that it was more likely than not, given the efforts he put in, you know, presumably just thinking about Dumoulin originally, because Froome was so far back after that crash. Um, last year, I think I think Yates and he showed it at the Vuelta has learned his lesson, so he's looking strong. But I still think that's the strongest start list of any Grand Tour this year. I think we're in for big fireworks. I, but we'll record before then. Oh, we will. But I will say, um, I think um, Dumoulin is looking weaker. Um, I I do think he's he's missing Kellerman. He's missing someone else. Um, Sky, Sky or Sky or in, in GC terms, I'm gonna. Uh, Put out a wild one here. I think Sky earned GC chaos. Um, Froome looks completely off the boil. Thomas is, is is reverted back to the Thomas that we used to know and love, falling off his and bike. He's still too far. I mean, this this is the pot call in the kettle black. I mean, I'm sitting here like a, a blobby tourist. Now, but you, you you have to think about this in terms of you know these GC guys. That, that was Jan Ulrich's problem, and Ulrich obviously was far more extreme. But yeah. it's a lot easier to lose six kilos than it is to be only two kilos overweight and just have to shave off the very edge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... Um, oh, I know we, I've spoken about Bernal before, but I could see Bernal now leading Sky to Tour of France. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm totally with you. You know, you could... You, I think Froome has got enough history that he, he's probably the more likely of the, you know, the acknowledged GC guys for the Tour at Sky to come round, particularly with... You know, that fifth um, in his mind, now that we never mention he who must not be named, even though I mentioned him earlier in this show. Um, Thomas doesn't look ready for me. And Thomas last year, I think, could have beaten Froome, even if Froome had been absolutely... Yeah, yeah. You know, on sort of, Thomas, for me, like the performance in Alpdes was magnificent. You know, he was he was every bit as good a GC rider as anybody else could have been. And the way that Nibali was the year he won, you know, where everybody said, well, Froome and Contador crashed out. Nibali probably would have won that anyway. He looked absolutely brilliant. 
to yeah. me. Uh, and Thomas shouldn't get any kind of consolation prize for last year. He was bloody great. Um, but he doesn't look like he's going to be ready. Bernal, I think, is developing a bit quicker than I expected. I mean, we knew he was a massive talent. He's got Sosa there, his countrymen, to support him now. Uh, and Froome just... I, I was saying to Scott, you know, I think we can safely say he's not peaking too soon. No, um, I, I think that they're... Uh, because Ineos have signed on with him now, um, I don't think Sky need a good Giro. So they can probably move a few people from the Giro to the Tour. To the tour. Um, and like you said about Froome, he's, he, we're using the same Sagan kind of um, comparison here. Sagan knows where to be, how to do it, even though he's on a bad day. And I think, uh, to your point, Froome knows how to how to ride the Tour of France. He's used to the he's used to the press, he's used to the controls, he's used to everything else. So it, it is second nature to him. So if he can, yeah, and he turned that Giro around from nothing last year. Yeah, and if he can keep himself in in contention, he he is probably one of the only riders that can do that. Yeah. Um. You know. He, We've seen it over the last few years where Quintana is a couple of minutes back and he needs to do something big on a mountain stage and he just doesn't have it in his armory anymore. Yeah. Um, whereas it's not out of the blue for it's not out of the blue for Froome to do something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I would favour Froome over Thomas, but um, I would say I would favour Bernal over the two of them at the moment. But there's a long way to go to the Tour, um, and the Giro has to happen yet, so it'll be interesting to see if Bernal does start the Giro, um, if he does go full gas in it uh, and go for the win, or how they fare out. And it's going to be interesting now to see Dumnal. He's missing two men. He's been kind of very much under the radar for the start of the year. Um, Rogelik has kind of disappeared again after Torino. Um, So, yeah, there's, there's a lot bubbling under there for the GC guys. And I'm very much looking forward to Giro and seeing how that plays out. And make no mistake, that Giro with that start list and that route is going to be hard enough that your legs are going to be fucked on top of Weller. Oh, yeah. You know, if you come through that Giro and it's hard, you're nowhere in the tour. Yeah, or if you come if you come through that Giro and you're in good form, you've done absolutely nothing for the three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um Let's let's call it a day at that. Um, we should probably say that people should go to shop.velocast.cc yes. because the streams have crossed and we have a Flamcast Velocast collaboration t-shirt. We do indeed. Um, which is inspired by old Donington Festival artwork and stuff, isn't it? It is. I suppose the, the two of us kind of, well, the three of us come from the same sort of musical genres and we kind of like the same sort of stuff. And we had a bit of a discussion kind of offline on the WhatsApp group about, um, you know, Holy Week, Flanders. Um, and I, I love the, the, the Belgian translation. They, they, they don't call them cobbles. Uh, you're writing the stones, yes. You know, and uh, I, I love that kind of, idea of that sort of way and then kind of just the, the t-shirt of monsters of rock kind of came to me and uh yeah uh scott did the design work and it looks like a fantastic t-shirt yeah i mean it, it's great um been well received uh we're, we're going to keep selling it right through the spring but you can get one there and order it just now it's our first t-shirt that's printed front and back so it's a wee bit dearer than just the ordinary front print t-shirts but that's because there's a, a gig list in the past um, I'll also do a wee plug just for Villacast.cc. We're deep into the, the classic season now, running up to the daily shows at the Giro. Um, so, you know, this is a point where a lot of subscribers who let their subscription lapse in the winter are rejoining us now. So if you want to join them, go in and visit Villacast.cc. And I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of eps in your RAS series. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that one with Dan Lloyd. Good job, mate. Thank you. 
Um, and also just to plug plug ourselves as well. Um, if you check out um, my Twitter over the last while at Flamcast, you will find a few lovely links to our newsletter. Um, this yeah, month no, we had a newsletter. Yeah, I know, and you still haven't subscribed. Um, <laughs> We in this month's one, I I predict what what happens to uh, Julian Alaphilippe for the next four years. Yeah, um, well, he fell off today, didn't he? Well, no, he fell off yesterday and just yesterday abandoned. Yesterday, fell off. Yeah, today. yeah, abandoned. Yes, abandoned then today. So yeah, look, the the newsletter goes out kind of monthly, but we will try and speed it up over the next few weeks. Uh, Mike will every three weeks or so just to get out before the Giro, after the Giro, before the tour, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, we'll be back at some point after Ruby. Um, yep. As as you said, I, I always take a, because it's really quiet, I always take a job in the winter uh, during the Velocast off-season to keep myself amused and sort from sitting around the house. And I'm enjoying it so much that uh, I've kept it on this year. So it, that's why we have to fit in around that and around you know my day job, which is the Velocast. Um, but I, I love recording these, so we'll get together, certainly before the Giro, and probably quite soon after Ruby, actually, because that's what that's one of our favourite races. Yeah, I remember you telling Jonathan Bochters you wanted to fucking kill him because uh, in the first incarnation of the Flamcast because of the way you treated Tor Hushoff to Ruby. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I still, I, I still, I still would, I still would. I still, it's a, it's a, it's a point of merit. I, 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 sta- I stand over my argument. It, it comes from a, a place of science. It comes from a place of, um. It comes from a place of thought and everything else. And um, yeah, good old JV. (laughs) Well, we'll be back very soon with another edition of The Flamcast.